Have you ever seen his laugh on this? Pretty amazing. (laughs) 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 It's almost like a fractal pack. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go. Yeah, let's do this. The future belongs to those who control the culture, and the culture belongs to those who control the conversation. So we are having the conversations you wish you could have at church to build a safe and vibrant community. This is the Oz Table Talk podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Oz Table Talk. My name is Luke. I am at the table with Steve, Ben, and Dave. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Evening. Oh, so, how you been, mate? I have been. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Boy, a lot's changed since the last time. Last time yeah. he was going on about how he's not tired, not tired and blah, yeah. blah blah blah. Yeah, I never know. Oh, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, <laughs> lasts so long. <laughs> that, was, that was an hour ago. You see, there was, there was a difference. You you actually said, "How have you been?" Not how are you. Right now, I'm actually really good. <laughs> right. How have I been? It's been a lackluster week, but hey, I'm here, and like this is the highlight of my week. So right now, I'm really good. Excellent. So, do you want to talk about it? The, the lackluster <laughs> week. Oh, the lackluster. <laughs> um, th- not much really. It's just like I haven't been able to do as much as I wanted to do this week, and so like there's just that residual frustration at all times of the day, which isn't isn't as cool as I wish it was. And right. Like other things that, you know, the way, you know, we all have those things where we notice our own mental health, this markers. And yeah, my, my, my markers that I typically observe are not particularly good this week. So yeah, that's. So if you could live to a 400 years old, would you stress less about that? <laughs> wow. What a segue to the icebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? It's funny when we were talking about what question to use, that is exactly what I thought. I was like, man, I would stress less about this week if I knew I, I had like 400 years because it would not seem like it was. Just let the kids grow up and then pursue the business. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or why even bother to have children until you're at least 100? <laughs> you well, can, wow. You could backpack around Europe until then and you've still really not expended a great deal of your life. Yeah. Not that I wouldn't be advising that, but anyway, so as, as what I would be doing with that uh, with that timeline, um, for me, I think I, I would definitely number one stress less. I would hope, but ultimately, if that was the norm, we would probably all stress just as much as we do now. That's so that it's kind of irrelevant, but I would probably uh, deep dive into my interest areas much more because right now I sort of feel like. In order to do all the stuff I want to do, I need to focus on everything all at once, which doesn't work very well. And so I would probably take large chunks of time, multiple years, and like really invest myself in photography and videography and music to really conquer each of those disciplines and then try to do something to synthesize them, combine them over time. They're the kind of things I would do. I'd definitely more travel and all the other things that people say they'd love to do. Like I would definitely be really keen to see more of the world because in this timeline, you know, with me, obviously if Jesus comes back sooner, I've got a lot longer, but, but uh, with an assumed, you know, 80 years or so, I would definitely uh, say that there's probably not going to be a lot of opportunity for me to do a lot of travel and stuff based on the the things that I've committed to in my life. And so, yeah, if life was considerably longer, I would probably have the opportunity to do more of that. What about you guys? That was a complex answer. I'm still processing it. <laughs> oh, you, you could cross-examine me if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just... Wow. These are the kind of questions that I love. Yeah. And so, therefore, my answers become complex. <laughs> Wait a second. You're, my answers just become complex whether I love it or I don't, right? Yeah. 
you're babysitting your children thinking, what would I do if I had 400 years? Yeah. <laughs> it's probably not called babysitting. No, I was going to say, do you anyway. babysit when you're parenting? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's called parenting. Anywho, yeah. <laughs> excuse my ignorance on that matter. Yeah. Um, I, If I had 400 years of expected life, I think I would probably... Um, I'd probably go for versatility. Um, mm. I think one of the things that I've had the privilege of doing in the short life that I've had is getting a bit of a taste of many different industries and mm. ways to do life. And I think it would be cool to major in several, not just one. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm sort of anti-specialism in, in um, you know one's life because I feel like it makes you a less rounded human being. Mm. Um, and so if I had 400 years rather than just... My my hundred. I'm going for hundred, not eighty, mate. Yeah. Um, can I join you? <laughs> I mean, look, you can try. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. So, does it, is that like you declaring that you're the one that's like going to be able to deliver my eulogy? You're actually going to be. You're going to outlive me. Of course, me? I will, because I'm so much younger than you. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, no, probably not. But anyway, um, what I was going to say is, yeah, I think I'd probably go for um, you know several areas in my life. I think you know I, I'm. Pretty. I'm really enjoying the engineering uh, pathway at the moment, so it'd be cool to do plenty with that. Um, I've always wanted to. Well, not always, but I've often thought it would be good to run uh, like a vegetarian cafe mm-hmm. and do that really well. So that'd I thought be you were talking about thing. running for a second <laughs> when you said that would be good to run, and I'm like, oh yeah, you run, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, run a cafe, gotcha, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, probably just run a cafe at this point. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting ultra marathon or like... Yeah. Yeah. And then like, I think I've spoken on the here before about if I could just do anything that I wanted to do, it would be like be a nature photographer slash videographer, travel the world, see all the great sites, mm-hmm. just be amongst it because mm-hmm. I just love nature so much and it'd be great to experience it in that way. Mm-hmm. So if I had more time, mate, I would just lap it all up. Yeah, well, you might be able to make that your second career. My second career? Yeah. In, in my 100 years or yeah, my 400? Yeah, in your 100 years. <laughs> a lot of people don't just do the one thing. Yeah, look, mate. When I'm David Attenborough's age, I'll travel the world. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you get the opportunity before then. <laughs> <laughs> Me, I'd probably actually double down and specialise even further. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Ben. Of course you would. Well, instead of getting, for example, I'm looking at a diploma of law, I would probably go for the full bachelor's, potentially even master's of law and things like that. Hmm. But, um, yeah. Well, if I had more time, I'd probably even just do it for giggles. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're going to limit your giggles to a diploma, are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need, to, I, I need to do something to relax and while my hours away. What will I do? A law diploma. <laughs> yes, that's what I want to do. <laughs> Said only Ben. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Actually, is anybody out there, can anyone out there resonate with Ben and be like, yes, I could get so excited about taxation and law and I'm just going to do this for fun. If you can, drop us, a, drop us a message. We would love to hear from anyone that's like Ben because we're looking for somebody just so we can understand <laughs> him a little bit better. So. <laughs> <laughs> but no, apart from that, yes, I probably spent a whole chunk of it studying because I actually quite enjoy that. But, um, you know... I sh- it's just hard to imagine doing another career because I- I'm going to be doing tax. I plan on doing taxation until I'm about seventy. So, mm. <laughs> could I imagine doing that for hundreds of years? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I I- I'd probably actually might do a little bit more what um, Luke was suggesting with the creativity. It's it's 
I do actually, because I'm running my own business, I do get a chance to do a little bit of that. So it's a case of maybe I could work out how to do creative things and law and put them together. <laughs> well, that's that's where the real innovative stuff happens, right? Interdisciplinary things. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's fun learning things that are completely outside your wheelhouse. Mm. What about you, Steve? Oh, I don't know. 400 years is a long time. <laughs> um, I probably... Yeah, it'd be a bit more adventuresome with my career, knowing that if I butchered one, I'd have another eight to go. <laughs> <laughs> what would At least with that time amount of time. <laughs> what would your next option be? Would you consider know. aviation? Or? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I just can't get the thought of being like an Air Force pilot or an Army pilot out of my head. I don't know why. Okay. It's a pain in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that... You just want to fly fast things. Oh, I don't know what it is. It's, yeah. Mm. Yeah. There you go. Maybe, maybe we'll see you up there one day. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. I love how your response is, um, you know, if I had an extra 300 years to, to gamble away, I would be more adventurous and risky. <laughs> <laughs> Like Ben's crack crunching the numbers over there going, that's a really bad decision. <laughs> <laughs> Risk versus reward. It doesn't quite add up. Well, not like risky, but it's in just, use, I don't know. More experiences, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> More skills. That's a much shorter imagine way of saying similar to what I said. So like, yeah. I get you. Im- imagine um, how good it would be to have a mortgage if your life expectancy, expectancy was 400. You could a take it out over 350 <laughs> years, man. It's yeah. 30. Yeah. yeah. How much interest would you pay, though? Yeah, that would be horrible. Ugh. Yeah, you would actually end up paying like how many times yeah. over for the property? <laughs> well, over 30 years, it's like twice whatever you pay for things. So yeah. over that, it'd be... My head hurts. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the actual topic for this this uh, week's episode is: Can we actually prove God's existence? And if we can, should we? So uh, it it's one of those things that I heard this question um, framed. Uh, I think it was even in a YouTube video, yeah, and, and it wasn't even necessarily coming from a Christian perspective, but it was talking about the importance of you know how important is what we believe and how we believe and those sort of things. And, and it, it just got me wondering about this question of, is it even possible? We often think of evangelism as trying to prove the existence of God if we're trying to share that with someone. But is that really, number one, is it really possible? So should we even be thinking about it in those terms? And is that the objective? Should we be doing that? So I don't know. Do you guys have any preliminary thoughts based on that? From a purely scientific point of view, creationism can only... It's this is probably as much. If you if you look at a lot of the sciences, it's not a hundred percent, is it? It's not something you can be um, prove beyond reasonable doubt, which is the um, the benchmark for science, is it? Well, of course not. You can't prove that God is, you know, eternal without being yourself eternal. So, mm. no, so, you can't yeah. prove the existence of God of yeah. God as an eternal being mm. into the past. You can't prove creation because you weren't there. Mm-hmm. So none of those things can be proved in that sense. Mm. But to that and to that same problem, ultimately, you mentioned creationism, Ben. Ultimately, creationists and evolutionists 
both cite the exact same evidence as justifying their perspective. Mm. It all, the only thing that changes is the person's interpretation, right? Mm. So they are looking at what exists and positing a cause. So neither are actually proving anything. They're just providing. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, no, mm, oh, no idea. Like reasoning behind Con- the existence of something. Not 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 congruent. Not comprehensive. Can. There's a word here. <laughs> I'm getting lost with it. Anyway. Con. Um, the best explanation for the evidence presented? There is a single word way to do that, but yes. <laughs> so anyway, that, that, but that's the, that's the thing. Basically, they're, they're trying to uh, find a cohesive, a cohesive narrative to like fit their beliefs into. And at that point, you have to acknowledge that both camps are leaps of faith. Mm-hmm. So if they are leaps of faith, then that, like, should we even be trying to prove God? Which is a, a lot of a lot of people try to prove it. They they treat God like it's a uh, mathematical equation, you know. Mm. And if not, how should we approach it? I was going to say yes and no. It's because ultimately we can't. It's using the scientific method. Mm-hmm. Unless we have the powers of God, we can't prove God, and we don't have the powers of God, so we can't do that. Mm. But on the um, same side of it, it's not like we shouldn't at least try to understand God as best we can, mm-hmm. because it's, I think it's just human nature. We want to understand the world around us. It's a curiosity. Mm. I mean, it's it's what God has given us. God has given us our curiosity. We should use it mm. to understand the the world as best we can. Mm. What would be the benefit of knowing, you know, the truth about the existence of God or the non-existence of God? Like, and when I say knowing, I mean like concrete. Yeah, as in proving, scientifically proving right. it, right? Yeah. I would say the, the main benefit, the reason that people would like to try or attempt to achieve that would be for evangelistic purposes, right? Mm. If you could prove God, then you would essentially force people to believe in him. Yes and no. There are people who believe the world is flat. <laughs> and apparently <laughs> and apparently, Australians are a bunch of NASA employees. <laughs> Hello, NASA employee 312. <laughs> yes, NASA employee 316. Um, the... <laughs> I'm sorry, it was just the natural response. I have no idea what just happened. (laughs) (laughs) Dave here wants to keep it on the hush-hush. Yeah, I I know. Are you up for your pay rise? Is that that why you're playing dumb? (laughs) (laughs) Can we we start speaking in English again? I guess the point I was making is even when there is overwhelming evidence, people will often not want to believe something Yeah, because it's just it steps on who they are. And no matter what evidence you give, it will never be good enough. Yeah, I think that's a so, very good point. But back to your initial response, you said evangelistic, evangelistically, that would be why you'd want to to know for sure. Hmm. So hmm. basically, you're saying we the only reason we want to know is so that we can prove others wrong. Mm-hmm. As in, I think that's the that's the motive for it for the most part. Yes. Right. Yeah, because I was just wondering about you know like when you think about um, the things in life that are exciting. Um, most of the time it's the unknown exploring the unknown yeah. that mm-hmm. is actually the most enjoyable and exciting part of life new experiences yeah mm-hmm. and so if you took that away 
uh, when it comes to God and you made him now a complete known quantity, mm-hmm. um, I think may- maybe some of the, the desire to continue to search out you know, who he is, what he stands for and that sort of thing might actually be taken away uh, from, from God, from Christianity, if we knew abs- with, with absolute certainty all of the details. Mm-hmm. Whereas because there's um, so much to explore... Um, about divinity, about the existence of God, about creation. Mm. Um, I think having that unknown there actually contributes to part of the joy of being a follower of God mm. um, and, and maybe conversely for, for those who don't as well, I'm not sure, um, where they get their sense of joy and purpose from as, as evolutionists, but maybe for them it's also exploring that unknown and trying to you know find deeper reasons for believing what they believe. Mm. But yeah, I just wonder, you know, like... So I think that that risk, you know, of not being absolutely sure but taking a step of faith um, is kind of what drives us in life. Mm. You know, all of the new discoveries that we make are made because we're searching for the unknown. You know, mm. if we just stayed with what we were comfortable with, there'd be no progress. Mm. So let me ask you this. If you got to heaven and God offered you all the knowledge of the universe um, and you could download it instantly, would you say yes or no? Yeah, well, it's an interesting question because, I mean, I guess, A, knowledge doesn't work like that. So, yeah. you know, you can't. Hmm. Um, but, but if you could. Yeah, well, so when you say knowledge, do, does that include experience? I guess not really experience because, yeah, you're right. But it's more of a case of what you were saying is the, the joy of learning and um, learning new things. Mm-hmm. If you could instantly learn everything, it would take all the joy out of it, but you would also have all that knowledge. Would right. you take it? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I would probably stick around for the journey. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm thinking the exact same thing. So I definitely agree what you were saying is if you instantly knew everything about God and the universe and everything else, it would take a lot of the joy out of life right Hmm. yeah Yeah. Uh, and can i just posit that even if um you did receive all of the knowledge but not necessarily the experience that goes along with that knowledge oh yeah i'd go for the experience next that would be my next step right so like even if you knew everything you haven't yet experienced everything that there is to experience about everything that there is to know and so there would still be a degree of joy to that um, whereas um yeah if you take away that from a purely academic Mm. pursuit there's really nothing left do you, yeah. know, do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. the experience is actually in the searching. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas not all knowledge is like that. I don't know how to quantify that, but in my yeah, head it makes sense. I get sense. what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Can I, can I just take like one step, like in altitude, go up one step? I think that there is a bigger reason why God would not allow us to be able to prove him in that sort of mathematical proving sort of a way. Because going back to what I said earlier that we we want that we want that trump card right so we can throw it down and say ha got you God is real see I can prove it we want to be able to do that and force people into faith but that is actually antithetical to the very nature of God because if it was possible to prove God's existence then that removes people's ability yeah. to choose whether they wanted to believe in him or not yeah and because God wants to preserve our free will, it's important that trusting in Him is a faith exercise. Number one, it's necessary for the for the relationship, right? Because then we actually have to uh, we have to pro- we have not produce. That's not the right word. We have to um, take a, an act of faith in believing in Him in the first place. So that is how our relationship with Him grows. But in addition to that, 
in order for us to have free will, we have to be able to make that choice. Because if we were forced to believe in him and he was, you know, right there, then people would just have to go along with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say that, like, the question is, can we prove God's existence? And the answer to that is no, from a like a mm. human scientific point of view, like we've been saying. Mm. But I think that, like, conversely, you have to say yes because, f- like, for one, you can prove not to anyone else but to yourself that there is like that there is a god yeah and like dave's been saying and i'm sure he was gonna drag this out a bit later but like it's the experience side of things like that's where the proof comes in because when you've had the experience you can't like unhave the experience it's not like knowledge where you can say oh the earth is flat Mm. like if you've been in a space shuttle and you've seen the earth is a sphere like you can't go <laughs> you know. no it's flat man like you've you've lost the ability to choose <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you know like it's been proven mm. so yeah 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 which is on touching on that point it's it's the reason why personal testimony i think is so important actually in the evangelism process is because although we haven't got an absolute truth like that um, we have uh, personal experiences which can only be explained through um, through God's existence. Mm. But ultimately, whether we truly experience it or not is still another um, a leap of faith. Mm. For instance, I was um, stuck on the side of a road once. I'd, I'd pulled over to look at my phone and everything. Didn't realize how muddy it was. <laughs> my car sunk down basically to the engine. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, I prayed, I, um, I was stuck there for quite a few minutes, and I prayed, and all of a sudden, I was able to lift the car up out of the mud and back onto the road. This is well before I started lifting, by the way. <laughs> so I'm, I'm this weak little weedly, weedly guy yeah. pulling this car up. I'm just like, I don't know how they did that. I, God must have sent me an angel. And it's not like you were driving, like, a Getz, right? Like, it, like, it was, it was, it a, was, it was your, a Commodore. It was a Commodore, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so there's yeah. no way ev- even me now mm. wouldn't have been able to do that. Mm. And to this day, I believe that I prayed and God sent an angel to lift that car out. Yeah. Right. But and because I, you had that experience, that helps your belief, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm. I was uh, back, way back, actually. If you go back to some of the very earliest episodes of this podcast, you'll see that I did an interview with Clifford Goldstein and he said something that really jammed in my head. And that was uh, that he has no problems questioning his faith. He, he feels no threat to his faith whatsoever. You know, if, if someone wants to talk about Big Bang Theory or like whatever, whatever competing way of looking at the world, he said that he feels zero emotional response to that, zero threat to his faith because of his experience. Because he has experienced, he said, my, my faith in God is no longer contingent upon any fact or even the Bible itself because it has transcended that through experience at this mm. point of his life. His, his faith is in no danger of any shaking. And I was like, wow, that's a real, you think about that for a second. That is a really big statement for somebody to, to make. And for someone like, like Cliff, you know, if you haven't heard his testimony, his testimony is amazing, you know, check that out. But he is a very, has a lot of experience. He has been through a lot of different things and seen a lot of different stuff. And for somebody who has had that much experience to be able to come back and state categorically that his faith is beyond question and he fears nothing. I, I remember, I thought to myself like, yeah, that's where, that's where I want to get to. Mm. But how, you've got to have enough experience with God, enough times where that angel has pulled your car out of the mud. You know yeah. what I mean? You have to have enough of that behind you in order to get to the place where you feel that way. Mm-hmm. But God understands that we don't start there. 
right? No. It's a, it is a, a continual process of building of trust. A little bit more trust, a little bit more experience, a little bit more trust, a little bit more experience. Can I challenge something you said before? Go for it. Um, not entirely, because I agree with you in principle, but just mm-hmm. maybe the application was a little bit off. Mm-hmm. So you were saying that um, one of the reasons why God wouldn't reveal himself conclusively to us is because that would remove choice. Mm. Um, well, that wasn't his plan because with Adam and Eve, he was there physically. Fully revealed, yeah. Fully revealed, yeah. So it wasn't until sin that there was that degree of separation whereby we have to now believe in his existence without seeing him. Mm. Um, but even so, even when Adam and Eve were seeing him you know, completely, mm. Uh, there was still an element of faith there um, and that experience that we're discussing was still present in that just in the same way that, you know, we've been told that the people that brought us into the world were our parents. Mm. Uh, we kind of have to take that on faith because mm. we, we don't remember that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best we can have maybe is some photos. Um, but yeah, it'd be very easy for somebody to forge that process, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, but there is a likeness, right? There is character likeness or there is sometimes resemblance or whatever, which is, which provides evidence. Mm-hmm. And so the best we've got to prove that these people are actually our parents is the evidence that, you know, indicates that there's some similarity there. Mm-hmm. And so when Adam and Eve came into existence, you know, they woke up, God was there. He's like, oh, I created you. Mm. And uh, obviously they weren't like, really, you did? Mm. How can you prove it? Yeah. Um, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Show me the mud. <laughs> yeah. But if they had have said that, I think the way that God would have um, proved it was that over time they would have seen their, their, his likeness in them. Mm. Um, uh, in the way that they went about life. And mm. I think we can still observe that today. You know, we can observe the things that the Bible describes as God's likeness. We can observe that in humanity and sort of see how God's resemblance has rubbed off on us. Mm. And that gives us evidence that, that God existed, which enables us to have that faith experience that you're talking about, mm. whereby we then have the freedom to choose to believe uh, based on the evidence that we see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just wanted to bring that out again, mm. not not a contradiction really of what you were saying, but just just another facet maybe yeah. of that, because um, like not even a physical um, encounter with God would would, would really constitute um, proof that He is divine, that He is eternal, or that He is our Creator. We still have to have faith. Mm-hmm. So I think are we saying, and uh, I don't know, there's a nuanced position here. So are we saying then that the ongoing experience with God over time is actually the very best evidence and the closest we can get to proof of God? I think so, yes. Mm. Yeah. I think I think that and like what Dave's saying is like actually like seeing other people. Yeah. Because like I know in my experience you have like questioning moments or just mm. down moments and you just like coming here um, like other friends I've got and you just like see the people connected and you go like that's more than just like human you know <laughs> like, yeah. like you can see you see the effect yeah, yeah you can see the effect mm. so for me like that's that's a repeatable observable you know fact of life mm. at least for me mm. that, you, that I can't ignore right mm. I think um I don't know how you quantify it. So I don't know whether you could say that experience is the greatest evidence or Mm. or anything else is the greatest evidence. Mm. But I think what what you were sharing about Clifford and what you were sharing about your car, Ben, 
um, they they indicate that they can be the greatest evidence for us, you know, yeah. if that's how we feel about them, mm. you know. And I think it's probably more likely that experience would be the greatest evidence because we we're very experience biased. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, like like you were saying, Steve. Um, you know, once something happens to us, we can't you know unsee or unexperience that thing that's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably it sticks with you in a way that you I mean you can forget information. Um, but you don't tend to ex- forget particularly those sort of vivid experiences. Yeah. yeah. So mm. one thing that I that we haven't mentioned that I think if we don't, someone's going to come into the comments and say, you didn't talk about this, is prophecy. Because we often, as a oh, church, yeah. if we're going to point at anything to um, you know, prove the existence of God or the accuracy of scripture, the thing that is typically pointed to is prophecy. And I think that that is a great gift that God has given us because without that, it would be a lot harder for people to come to faith, right? It's not, I don't mean that it's necessary. I don't think it's absolutely necessary to have a relationship with God to understand prophecy. I think that's um, definitely not the case. But I think if we are trying to produce uh, faith and trust, or at least a willingness to examine the rest of Scripture, I think prophecy is a great tool mm. that God has given us to for ourselves to have faith to say, well, hey, you know, if the Bible can accurately foretell what has happened already, then I can have faith in what it says in el- elsewhere in Scripture. Yeah, right? yeah that's exactly so. what Jesus said. The whole purpose of prophecy was it's not yes. necessarily so that we know what's going to happen. It's so that when these things come to pass, that you will know and you'll be able to believe. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. Can I ask a reflective question on that though? Mm. Um, for you guys who have been believers in God for some time, <clears throat> maybe prophecy might have played a part in <coughs> you becoming a believer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but can I ask now in your current experience, how big would you say that evidence is on the scale of evidence that we've been talking about? Like if you could, if you could put it next to experience, mm-hmm. uh, what would you say the percentages would look like for you personally? I would say for me, prophecy is probably less than 20% of my confidence at this point. So experience is probably 80 plus percent. Would you say that there was a time in your life where it was the other way, 80-20? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, when I, it was one of the very things because I went through a, a time of examination, I guess you could say, before I got baptized. Like I had agreed to get baptized, but it, there was something that wasn't sitting right with me. And it, and it wasn't that I didn't believe, but that I hadn't yet examined fully. And so I sort of pulled back and did some time of reflection, examination, study, etc. Mm. And for me, it was prophecy that got me over the line to a great extent because that was something I could measure. And yeah. I could say, this actually happened. Hmm. I, I can't get around the fact that historically this actually happened. And, uh, you know, the, that, was the best, the, that was the best information that I have available. And so, therefore, I, yes, I believe that. And that was probably one of the things that committed me to the course. But um, now I hardly think about that. It, it was a part of my experience now in the, in the rearview mirror. But it's still important because if they were proved to be wrong, I would have to then... Reassess. I'd have to reassess. I would have to deal with the cognitive dissonance that would come along with disproving a foundational element of my of my worldview. Mm. But uh, so I'm not saying that's impossible. But I don't necessarily think that it would automatically destroy my faith in God. I would reevaluate it. I would perhaps have to restructure what I thought. But I've had so much experience with God at this point. I don't think I could throw it out completely because yeah. of the experience. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, 
and a mix for me would have been um, creationism and prophecy because yeah. I, w- I was just thinking about experience and experience on its own wouldn't tell us anything about God really. It's no. it's only our um, our early contact with prophecy and the Bible as a whole that gives context to our experience, mm-hmm. and without that, um, experience um, can take us anywhere. So I would say that the Bible um, is the foundations, mm-hmm. but the experience is what enhances um, enhances that. It enhances the relationship and the flavor of our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. But without that foundation, experience it loses its context and it it becomes a lot less meaningful. Hmm. I was talking to a pastor from a a, a church where I used to live and uh, he was not of the same denomination that we are. He was uh, was a much more... um in his own in his own language, it's a much more experience based kind of a congregation, right? Like they they were intentionally trying to, um, you know, make it more of a a party kind of atmosphere. That was that was the intention of that particular church, and he he said that their focus is not theology. Their focus is experience because they believe the Holy Spirit acts in our experience, and that is the senior part of the of the structure right so the the word has a very minor role in their congregation and i and see that i think is i think that's dangerous for a completely different set of reasons the difference is and and i bring this up because i I don't want people to get confused in us saying well experience is the majority of it and it's the most important i believe it is but i'm bringing this up for nuance because i think that the reason that our experience is so important and strong is for what you said ben that it's founded on Mm. our our understanding of the word our understanding of who god is and the gospel and what he came to do and all and the prophecies and all of those sort of things they form the basis and Mm. our experience goes from there our experience does doesn't operate independent of what we believe about God. Mm, yeah, definitely. So. I just wanted to add a caveat to what you were saying, Ben, uh, and that is that experience um, plays an introductory role mm. often before the Bible is introduced just to sort of awaken the interest. Mm. So the kind of experience particularly that Steve was talking about where you observe somebody else and you're like, wow, they're, they're a really nice person mm. or I wonder what's going on in their life. And that's yeah. maybe where sometimes the interest in the word or in prophecy is awakened. Uh, and then absolutely, from what you were saying, absolutely true that yeah. that, that more intellectual side tends to take over mm. to provide the groundwork for f- future experience. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I definitely agree. I had a, quite a few in, interactions with people in the past that have been case of... You, you ever have well, people come up to you and say, what do you have that I don't? That yeah. sort of thing. And you, you can point them, I have... I have this wonderful heavenly father. He's yours too. Mm. You only just have to pick him and you can have the same experience. Yeah. And just the reason why I asked that question about, you know, what part uh, prophecy plays in your lives currently is that I think um, the the role of prophecy um, tends to be more of a, a an introductory sort of groundwork kind of a role mm. in establishing your confidence. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you just treat the word as a whole, mm. um, as God's vo- voice to your soul. Mm. Um, it's no longer needing to, to prove anything on a day-to-day basis sort yeah. of thing. Um, and I, I think 
I think I see both, you know, obviously benefits, but also dangers in that. Mm-hmm. Um, the danger I see is that we, we sometimes lose the ability to think critically about mm-hmm. the Word of God, mm-hmm. uh, which I think it would be well for us to do because uh, I think yeah. that enhances our experiences. Uh, for example, asking the hard questions, uh, which can sometimes seem like the dumb questions mm-hmm. about God's Word, rather than just assuming that we understand it, um, you know, just go a bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, I think... Um, from my experience at least maybe it's not like this for everyone but from my experience i don't really think about prophecy that much anymore Mm. um i just sort of look at god's word as a whole as as his prophetic voice whether it's predicting the future talking Mm. about the current the current situation in my life Mm. or even just reflecting on the past it doesn't really matter anymore it's just this is all instructive in some way Mm. um and um yeah i like to i like to think that my life is now built upon those principles um, and so I don't really worry too much about, you know, the future, um, all of the, you know, predictions that we can sometimes get maybe stressed about. Mm. Um, I just like to, to think that, you know, again, this is, this is my confidence comes from this book. So I'm going to draw, mm. um, I'm going to draw a foundation for every experience of my life from it. Mm. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah, if you're not, well, I like what you were talking about with the critical thinking as well, cause uh, I was just thinking, otherwise we end up like Paul, don't we? Uh, we get to the point where we we think that we know everything and um, we even though new experiences are telling us, no, you need to reevaluate things. I mean, he persecuted Christians, he persecuted Christ and he needed a um, quite the experience to set him back. Yeah. And he needed that um, to go back and critically think about everything. Right. So, like you said, critical thinking can really enhance our faith. Hmm. And strengthen it as well. I think, I don't know whether you asked this question at the beginning or not, Luke, but it was certainly in the notes for this particular episode. Uh, the secondary question was, should we need to, you know, be able to prove the existence of God? Hmm. And um, m- my opinion is no. Hmm. Um, I think that uh, ha- that element of faith is an important element of the experience that we have with yeah. God. So being willing to, to let that slide le- and, and just sit with the fact that you don't know for sure yeah. Um, but you have confidence based upon all of these different things that have happened throughout your life that you've that you've understood, that you've seen, that you've observed, whatever it happens to be, um, that you have confidence. Um, but at the end of the day, is still you know a trusting an exercise in trust yeah. and faith. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's a good spot for us to land this one. So thank you all for for joining us for this episode. If you enjoyed it, share it with a friend, and we will be here next week. And we hope to catch you then. God bless. And that's the end of another episode. Just before I head off, I want to encourage you to go over to our page on Facebook and also our account on Instagram and follow us there because that is where we interact with our listeners and we would love for you to enter in and join the conversation. Also, while you're signing up, I would also recommend signing up to our mailing list on our website, oztabletalk.com.au. If you do that, you will receive our exclusive content because occasionally we do release exclusives and they only go out to our mailing list so I would strongly recommend you go and sign up for that if you have a few more minutes to be one of the most amazing listeners on the planet you can go over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review because reviews help us to grow and they help other people to find us so if you want to help us reach those goals please jump in and give us a review the final message that I'd like to leave you with is to let you know about our patreon account now Patreon is a way for creators to get paid.
paid for creating. And ultimately what we do does cost money to get us hosted and have the services that we need to run the podcast. And so if you'd like to help us do that, jump over onto patreon.com slash oztabletalk and you can you can give anything from even a dollar a month upwards. But at different levels, there are different benefits, different rewards that we want to give you just to say thank you for being an amazing supporter of ours. If you can't afford that, we would just gratefully accept your prayers because that is what our ministry runs on. And so with that, I will leave you to your day and thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.